1: is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The
2: views
3: expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
4: Welcome to the Richard Serge Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
3: Hey, welcome to day two of the dystopian nightmare that is Ontario. I, uh, I haven't decided who I find more contemptible are uh, so-called elected representatives who want people who refuse an experimental medical intervention to be fired and then relegated to second-class status or the doctors who are now coming out on social media and brazenly brazenly, saying that people who refuse the vax should be denied all health care. Would that include pregnant women? Would that include women who are breastfeeding? Would that include visible minorities, immigrants? Immigrants and people of color who make up a sizable chunk of the unvaccinated. The ones who suffered the most during lockdowns. Many work in the service industry. And now you want to inflict more pain on this group. The fact that I can count on one hand, the number of elected MPPs who are opposed to vaccine mandates and a vaccine passport, actually less than one hand, three, three fingers, three MPPs. Let me uh, rephrase that. I can count on the hand of someone who is very reckless while handling a chainsaw, the number of MPPs opposed to vaccines. You get the point. Now, even the leader of the official opposition in this province, Andre Horvath, the party that used to at least pretend They were on the side of working people and the oppressed. Even she wants the governing party to close loopholes. She wants to lock down harder. She wants Vax passports for shopping malls and what else? I don't know, children's birthday parties, perhaps. This is the opposition? They love what the governing party is doing, but they want them to go even further. I thought the NDP were were on the side of unions. Are the union members going to vote for the NDP knowing she wants union members to be fired for refusing the jab. Well, here's, uh, here's further proof this vaccine passport is not going away until we get loud and demand that it goes away. The CEO of Moderna says even younger people will have to get vaccine booster shots at least once every three years. At least once every three years. So this is two-tier society which punishes the unvaccinated will likely remain in place indefinitely so if the vaccine is so effective why do we have more hospitalizations and deaths than we did a year ago before vaccines someone want to do the math on that i'm yeah right it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated right all right uh, we, we are going to touch on the uh, the federal election one more time Again, here uh, briefly in just a few minutes, Andrew Lawton from True North, hopefully over his election hangover. And I I mean, you know, just being dead tired from all the coverage and so forth. uh, He'll be here to uh, analyze the results. Here's the thing. We had a record low turnout, less than 59 percent, 58 point something percent. People actually uh, eligible voters bothered to vote. And the liberals received less than a third of the popular vote. So, what is that? Less than a third of 58%? That's like less than 18%, 18% of the eligible voters in this country. And how can Groby Blackface claim he has a mandate? He's prancing around like he has a majority. So, the question is, and we'll ask Andrew this, will he be pushed out before the next election, which could come in another 18 months? And what about Aaron O'Fooledia? Well, it turns out he fooled very few, but will he be pushed out? What about Jagmeet Singh? Another very disappointing showing. Could we see all new federal leaders this time next year? Uh, This one is a, this is a heartbreaker. In April of this year, 16 year old Ernesto Ramirez Jr. of Texas died five days after receiving the Pfizer jab. An autopsy showed he died of an enlarged heart and his father struggling for answers and justice. Mr. Ramirez was seeking donations on GoFundMe. And then GoFundMe banned Mr. Ramirez for sharing something called prohibited conduct on the crowdfunding platform. Ernesto Ramirez Sr. will be here to uh, tell tell us his story this hour. That's going to be a difficult one. Uh, For the last several weeks on this program, we've been trying to help spread awareness about violent male offenders, in some cases, pedophiles, child murderers, rapists, being sent to women's prisons to serve out their sentences after they self-identify as a woman. That's all it takes. Today, a former federal prisoner, Heather Mason, will be here to talk about the recent sentencing of Yostin Murillo, a man who brutally murdered a mother of three children. And he, too, may end up serving his sentence in a woman's prison. Uh, Dr. Joel S. Hirschhorn is the former director of a medical research program at the University of Wisconsin. And as a senior official at the Congressional Office of Technology Assessment and the National Governors Association, he directed major studies on health-related subjects, He's uh, testified at over 50 U.S. Senate and House hearings, and he's also a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And his new book is called Pandemic Blunder, Fauci and Public Health Blocked Early Home COVID Treatment. He's our featured guest today and joins me at the bottom of the second hour, which is about 530. But uh, before that, all, uh, all of that, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the uh, irascible and lovable Lou Skeezus. Hey, Lou.
5: Hey, Richard. Great to be with you. Yeah. You're going to touch on the uh, the election. Did you have any comments on the RCMP, you know, getting their man going after SNC, Lavalin, some of their executives for fraud and uh, uh, bid rigging and that sort of thing? Did you get to any of that yet? Justice takes time, Lou. It's just a coincidence
3: that this happened just, you know, like a day or two after the election. That's it's just a coincidence. Are you a
5: conspiracy theorist? Well, I I think the uh, the coincidence is frightening, Mm. uh, especially, you know, uh, given that it followed uh, the Jason Kenney 180 degree flip flop on health issues and so on. It looks pretty orchestrated to me. I'm not that bright, as you know, but I am observant.
3: Right. You do have right on the observant part. I'm not agreeing with the uh, not that bright. Uh, That's the self-effacing and irascible Lou. But so okay. so help me connect the dots here with the Jason Kenney thing. So again, he uh, like three, four weeks ago, he said vaccine passports. I don't even know what they are, but if I knew what they were, they would be illegal. There's no way we're going to do this. And then, as you say, he did a 180 just days before the election. So is the suggestion there that perhaps um, he did that in order to embarrass Aaron O'Toole or to, you know, to help? Why would he help uh, the liberals?
5: Well, he might have had something in the bag. Right. I mean, I just find it peculiar. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, today I was evaluating it. Once I saw the news story that came out after the election about SNC, Lavalin and so on, I said, You know, it's pretty tough uh, to have to not only fight your opponent in the ring, but the referee as well. You know, with the media, it's so totally compliant uh, and, you know, doing everything they can uh, to support one narrative as opposed to any other. Frightening, frightening, frightening.
3: Oh, I agree. I agree. It almost leads one to despair when you contemplate on what I think you and I would agree that the level of of corruption, complicity in this country. Um, So you've got all of the all of the major federal parties in lockstep on most of the major issues. Uh, Anyone who doesn't follow that narrative is is locked out of the debate uh, of um, any significant mainstream media coverage. You've got the courts, uh, all of them ruling in the government's favor. Um, You know, even on these charter challenges, to me, the idea that, you know, being forced into into a confinement in a hotel, the the, the idea that that doesn't meet the standard of of uh, unreasonable detention. I mean, is just bizarro world. Uh, And and you mentioned now the RCMP two days after the election, finally laying some charges for fraud and conspiracy with two former vice presidents with SNC. I mean, in any other country.
5: You'd call them a third world In Any other country, they'd be hanging fire. (laughs) Depends. They'd either be hanging uh, fire, or the people that put the information out there. One of the two. How do
3: we keep going on, Luke? How do we wake up in the morning?
5: Well, I think you know you got to accept that we now live in a, a jurisdiction where we isolate and intoxicate. The population so you know you could take that song right wanted to be canadian but then i got high and i wanted to do the right things but then i got high i got high i got high i got high <laughs> that's what i think i think you know they're just medicating the population
3: well Cocktail hour starts at six.
5: <laughs> See you there. All right. Happy capitalism.
3: Happy capitalism. Andrew Lawton from True North will be with us to uh, dissect the election yet again in three minutes.
4: We're back as the Richard Serrett show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
3: Hey, welcome back. So when you break it down, Trudeau won or Trudeau's liberals won just 18 percent of the popular vote among eligible voters. So is he going to be forced out before the next election? Aaron O'Toole has been accused by a member of the uh, National Council of betraying conservative values. Will he be forced out? Jagmeet Singh, another very disappointing showing. Uh, After uh, the uh, the 2019 election, they went down to well, almost half of the number of seats they had previous. And then uh, this election, they didn't do much better. So we've got three federal leaders with, I would say, very, very poor showings. Let's uh, discuss further with our good friend from True North, Andrew Lawton, host of The Andrew Lawton Show. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Richard. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. I wish you had more. Next time we'll uh, we'll get you on longer. But let me ask you first about uh, right out of the shoot about Trudeau. Um, uh, 18% really is, is what he managed, the Liberals managed with this election. Uh, are there any rumblings about him being forced out before the next election, which could be in 18 months?
2: Well, I, I'm not a huge fan of calculating based on the people that could have voted rather than the people that did vote. At the end of the day, though, he got a minority of the popular vote. He got fewer votes than the Conservatives did, but still in our system, that gets him plurality of speech. That being said, there was a lot of fatigue in the Trudeau campaign and the Trudeau brand more than 2019. People were not feeling that he was just the dream boat that, you know, soared in from the heavens like in 2015. So I wouldn't be surprised if he were not the prime minister for the duration of this parliament. I, I could see some pressure coming from either in parliament from other parties that might uh, be thinking of supporting the liberals on legislation or even from the liberal party itself saying, OK, yeah, we won, but this is not sustainable going forward. We've got to replace the guy on top.
3: Let me ask you about this SNC-Lavalin, uh, the RCMP finally charging uh, two former VPs uh, of, of SNC just days after the election. That, that's not a good look. The timing looks very suspicious. Any thoughts?
2: Yeah, and, and it's tough because we all hear on, on one hand that, oh, yes, the police are supposed to be entirely independent of government. But we also know when it comes to SNC-Lavalin that the government has tried to inject itself in things that are supposed to be independent. That was the whole crux of the Jody Wilson-Raybould scandal. So I think people are right to ask questions. I think the reality of this is that we're talking about a corrupt entity, a very corrupt entity that the Liberals have historically bent over backwards to support, even in the face of the rule of law. And and they've never really been held accountable for that.
3: All right, let's move on to Aaron O'Toole. Uh, Bert Chen, who sits on, he was elected to the uh, National Council for Ontario, the Conservative Party, and um, he would like to see Aaron O'Toole ousted as leader, uh, claiming, you know, that he's betrayed uh, conservative principles. And then lo and behold, what happens? The uh, the insiders in the party closed down the uh, the conservative voter database, I guess, to prevent people like Bert Chen from, um, you know, seeking seeking support, I guess. Uh, What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. And Bert Chen is not alone. I mean, he was the most vocal and he spoke up very quickly. I mean, the votes hadn't even been counted 100 percent when Bert Chen was already saying, yeah, we, we've we got to get rid of Aaron O'Toole here. One of the key things that he cites as a sort of evidence of, of what he calls a betrayal is the Aaron carbon tax. Now, this goes back to April. I think you and I talked about it at the time. But during the campaign, there were a lot of other issues that were coming up that were frustrating to conservatives, the flip-flop on firearms, the flip-flop on conscience rights, the flip-flop on free vote. And by the end of the campaign, it was like, okay, let's, uh, you know, where, where exactly are we sitting on this? So I, I do think that there's a lot of frustration there that's quite palpable. But you also have a lot of people in the party that either really like Aaron O'Toole or that say, OK, we, we can't just keep eating our own like we always do. We threw out Andrew Shear after the last election. We can't just keep doing this. We, we've got to work ahead and, and try to get ready for the next election. And, and that's going to be the real dynamic. And, and remember, in the final days of the campaign, when we saw the PPC doing very well, Aaron O'Toole didn't really have a pitch beyond, well, don't split the vote. He's got to come up with a better reason for people in his party to stand behind him now than just, well, we, we've got to get ready to you know, beat Justin Trudeau next time. But he, he's got to give people a reason that's compelling for why they should give him another shot.
3: What about his entire communications team or the people in the back room um, that that really, I think, are in large measure responsible for continuing to crap on the base? And then at the last minute to go, you know, to go begging cap in hand. Oh, please don't split the vote. Vote strategically, not according to your values.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he's the one, no matter what a communication staffer puts in front of him, no matter what the internal polls say or what the campaign manager says, he's the one that's opening his mouth at the lecture. He's the one that is saying whatever it is that he's being advised to say. So. And he's the one who chooses the people that surround him. So I I do think that he's the one that has to shoulder ultimately the responsibility for the campaign. I think there were good things he did on the campaign. I'm not one of these Monday morning quarterbacks that says, yeah, everything was terrible. I was calling the shots as I saw them throughout the campaign and some things in the platform that I liked. And a few of those things remained by the end of the campaign. But the reality is that he never prepared for attacks from the right. He never he never defended his right flank. And as a result of it, you had a, a PPC problem. And a lot of people that really didn't have anywhere to go in mainstream politics except for to go to the PPC because the conservatives were not working to engage these people
3: uh, very quickly. Last question, Andrew, and that is uh, Jugmeet Singh's future. Because, again, 2019, not a very good showing. He went down from 44 seats to, what, 24 uh, this time out. Another disappointing showing. Will he hang in?
2: He- I mean, the NDP is different from the conservatives in that they're used to low expectations, because on, on some level, they have to know they're never going to form government. But I mean, you raise an important point in asking about it. This is an election where absolutely everyone thinks they won the election. Justin Trudeau thinks he won. Andrew uh, Aaron O'Toole thought he won. Jagmeet Singh thought he won. Anime Paul maybe doesn't. yves Francois Blanchet he held on. He he's won. Maxime Bernier quadrupled the vote. He's won. So no one really thinks that they lost it. And, and if you're just a kind of a someone who is living in reality, there's something not quite right about that. So certainly some leaders are going to have to pay for this. But I, I don't know if it's apparent to them which of them will have to yet.
3: All right. There was one loser. That was the electorate, I guess. Uh, Andrew, how do we watch the Andrew Lawton Show?
2: Head on over to andrewlawtonshow.com. And you can also check out my and my colleagues' work at tnc.news.
3: Andrew, always appreciate your time. Thanks, buddy.
2: Hey, thanks, Richard.
3: All right. When we come back, this will be a tough one. Ernesto Ramirez Sr., a single parent, lost his son to the Pfizer vaccine five days after he received the jab. He'll be here to tell his story in three minutes.
4: Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show.
3: Welcome back. Ernesto Ramirez is a single parent. He lost his son, Ernesto Jr., to the uh, Pfizer vaccine back in April. And uh, Ernesto Sr. joins us now. Mr. Ramirez, are you there?
6: Yes, sir, I am.
3: Thank you so much <clears throat> for joining me. I know this must be incredibly difficult.
6: Um, how are you coping these days, by the way? Just day by day. I mean, that's all I can do. I mean, it's hard. We'll just, uh, the two of us, and as you can tell, I'm home alone. You know, I come home to an empty house.
3: Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a picture. I see a, a picture behind you of, of Ernesto Jr. What a beautiful boy. Um, 16. Can you tell me about him?
6: Yeah, uh, He was a wonderful kid. I mean, he never gave me any problems. Uh, the day he was born, he was handed to me, and they told me, here, he's yours, you take care of him, and I took that on with pride because I mean, that was my baby boy. So, I mean, being a father, I've never had a father, so I said, he is not going to know what it's like to not have a father's love. So, I mean, I did Diapers, feedings, baths, uh, schools, everything. I did everything for him. I would leave work for his little shows at school, whatever they had going on. Um, I was there. It was just always me and him. And I would always tell him, "It's me and you against the world." So, uh, I mean, from seven years old, he, uh, you know, I bought a couple of baseball gloves and you know, play catch with my son. And he told me, Dad, I want to play baseball. So I signed him up for Little League. And uh, since seven years old all the way to high school, he played baseball. I coached him. I mean, uh, every year, I mean, we would, it was just something our father and son, We we had in bond right there. Uh, we loved the sport. We loved the game. And uh, excuse me. And uh, when in high school, he continued playing baseball. And he had told me, I told him pushing for college. I said, You need to go to college. You need a good education. He asked, Dad.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing?
2: Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours. Make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at qeccinc.com.
6: Uh, I want to join this Air Force. I said, of course. I mean, I'm always here to back you up. I'm here. You know, it was like I said, we're like best friends. You know, we're never apart. We're always together.
3: Tell me about the decision, how it was made for him to to get vaccinated.
6: Well, see, when this all hit, I mean, we we normally by ourselves. Anyway, when it hit, we stayed indoors. You know, we didn't go out very often. I uh, I was concerned because I'm, I'm the one going to work, coming back. Every morning I'd get up in the morning, give him a kiss. And he was doing virtual classes, and I'd wake him up for school. I told him, I love you, Dad, and uh, call me if you need anything. So I'd leave to work. When I get home, the same thing. He'd come running out. You know, he knew when I got home, so he'd come running out. I'd give him a hug and a kiss, and we'd try to figure out, we, we're going to go out to eat, you want me to make something? And uh, then I said, well, I I better get the vaccine. I didn't believe in it, but I said, if I have to do that to protect my son, I'll do it. So I got the Moderna. And then uh, around, what, March, I think, beginning of March, they were uh, announcing on the news Pfizer was safe for teenage kids. And uh, like I said, I waited a little bit because I wanted to see you know, if they came up with anything else, they kept announcing it's it's safe for teenage kids and this and that. So I said, okay, you know, I didn't, like I said, we're never apart. I was scared if he got COVID, he got to, ended up in the hospital. I want to be by his side. And, you know, they weren't going to prevent me from being by his side, but I know, you know, they wouldn't allow me in. So I said, okay, they, the government told me it's safe. You know, nothing wrong. So I went. On the 19th, took them to get the vaccine. Then uh, on the 24th, my neighbor, she's a good, good Christian woman. Her son is my son's best friend. She goes, uh, Mr., can I take the boys out to eat? And they want to go play basketball. I said, sure, ma'am, of course. Because her, her, her husband is my best friend. They've always been there for me and my son. So I said, yes, ma'am, go ahead on. And so my son took them. She, she came to pick him up. You know, I gave him some spending money, I gave him a hug, and I told him, be careful. <sighs> and then, she called me. Her, uh, my buddy called me, panicked, told me something was wrong with Junior. That was just a few days later. So I rushed over there, chased the ambulance to the hospital. They said he, there was nothing they could do, that he had passed. And, uh, they were doing, I, I seen, they were trying to revive them over there at the park. I chased the ambulance to the hospital. They were giving them injections, doing everything they could. They couldn't revive them at all. And then, like I said, it was, to me, it felt like nothing. They just said, well, your son's dead. I mean, there was no heart, no feeling, did it?
3: Obviously you were in shock. Ernesto, um, we're going to take a quick time out. Um, just, uh, hang in there if you could, and we'll come back and, uh, I'd like to discuss further. Would that be okay? Yes, sir. Okay. thank you so much. Ernesto Ramirez Sr. uh, stays with us as we continue to talk about his uh, son, Ernesto Jr., who passed April 25th after receiving a Pfizer vaccine. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Stay with us.
4: You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM.
3: Well, for months, I've been telling you about the wonderful health products from my good friends at North American Herb and Spice. I've been telling you and everybody I know about how to get maximum immune support from P73 Wild Oregano. And whether you prefer the drops or the gel caps or the powder or even the inhalants, North American Herb and Spice has a whole line of wild oregano supplements to support a healthy immune response. P73 Wild Oregano is available at fine health food stores right across the GTA or, of course, you can order online at oregano.com. Uh, visit the website, incidentally, and uh, sign up for the North American Herb and Spice newsletter. And then uh, you receive 5% off whenever you order online. P73 Wild Oregano for a healthy immune system from North American Herb and Spice. The website, once again, oreganol.com. Let me spell that for you. O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L. O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L. O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L, oreganol.com uh, we are back with uh, Ernesto Ramirez of Texas uh, who lost his son Ernesto jr uh, April 25th of this year after receiving uh, the Pfizer vaccine um, mr Ramirez the um, the, uh, the the autopsy report w- what did it show what what was the determination
6: well they showed everything was good everything was fine he had a scrape on his elbow knee on his head the only bad problem they found was in uh, a large heart they said his heart was twice the normal size
3: twice the normal size yes sir the receiving the vaccine was he was he in good health
6: yes sir like, like i said he would i'll take him for a checkup every year because we play baseball he was dedicated playing baseball. And uh, he was healthy. He ate right. He was always eating, you know, dad, I can't eat this, or I can't eat that because he wanted to eat healthy. I mean, we did eat ribs and steaks once in a while, but he didn't eat a lot of burgers or cokes or none of that stuff. You know, he tried to keep his intake at a, a decent rate. Right. So, I've never had no issues.
3: When when Ernesto Jr. Uh, died was that death registered with the vaccine adverse reporting system?
6: No, sir. I, ne- I never knew anything about that. I'm just trying to see more and more now that time passed. I was trying to see more about it now.
3: Did did the doctors say that they believed the vaccine was responsible or did they try and deny that
6: they just like here? Like I said, they just mentioned, you know, your son's passed, like it was nothing and OK, you know, like like Go it on take off. you know, have have you try to pick up your pieces like no heart, no concern. So, yeah, they didn't mention anything like that. Uh, I tried to get the autopsy report. It took me three months uh, When it was done. They said they sent it to a judge and I called the judge and he said he hasn't received it. So for three months, I'll ping pong him back and forth. Till I mentioned to both of them, I said, my attorney wants a copy of that autopsy report. I said, if you want, I'll let him call you directly. And magically, the following day, the uh, judge said, oh, we have your paperwork here. After three months.
3: Since that time, you've been trying to raise awareness, get some answers for yourself, seek some justice. Um, you've been trying to raise money on you were trying to re- raise money on GoFundMe. What happened?
6: Well, it started out okay for a couple of weeks. And then all, all of a sudden I get an email saying, uh, it doesn't stand up to, I mean, I wasn't following the regulations because I uh, mentioned the Pfizer vaccine and the death of my son. And I thought GoFundMe was something like that, you know, to help, you know, Oh, you know, raise money for what I was, thought was I was doing something correct or right. So they shut me down right then and there. And, uh, Like I said, you know, for some reason, something happens. I figured people are trying to shut me up. I said, no. I mean, I went through a real bad depression when he passed. And I figured I can either just ball up and just, you know, try to pick up the pieces. I said, but this was my boy. We were always together. I fought for him. And uh, I said, well, you know, I got to make sure the world knows what happened. You know, I mean, I'm not just going to keep quiet. So that's why I started. The uh, that while I was didn't start it, someone else told me at Life Funders they asked me if they could start an uh, another uh, fundraiser for me because after I've, I've been spe- speaking here in Texas, telling my son's story, trying to let people know what happened to me, hopefully it doesn't happen to somebody else, you know, because these are kids, these are our babies, you know, if you love your child as much as I did, do, you don't want that to happen to me. so they started raising more money, like I said, little by little, everything comes into fold. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to stay quiet. I mean, if I can save one child, two child, whatever, it's worth the fight. I, it's just something I feel I have to do.
3: Mr. Ramirez, uh, I want to thank you for your time, and I'm, I, um, my heart breaks for you. Uh, I pray God gives you uh, peace.
6: Yes, sir. Thank
3: you. Thank you so much. God bless you.
6: Thank Thanks, sir.
3: All right. When we come back, uh, we'll push back against radical gender ideology. And uh, we'll talk to Heather Mason, a former federal prisoner who is trying to uh, draw attention to the situation where men who identify as a woman, self-identify as female, can request a transfer to a woman's prison. And uh, we have a fairly high-profile murder case in which the convicted murderer may, in fact, serve his sentence in a women's prison. That story in three minutes.
4: Back to the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show, News Talk Saga, nine sixty AM.
3: Hey, welcome back. A week ago, a nightmare Toronto murder trial finished. However, the uh, the nightmare may continue for the uh, inmates at uh, a woman's prison somewhere in Canada because that violent rapist and murderer may end up serving his sentence in a women's prison. Here with Moore is a former federal prisoner and uh, a founding member of COSBAR. That's the Canadian Women's Sex-Based Rights. Heather Mason, welcome back. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
3: Very well, thank you. Uh, so t- tell me about Yostin Murillo. Who who was this character? Who is this character?
0: So he raped and murdered a woman in Toronto in 2018, a 41-year-old nurse, actually. She had her three children sleeping down the hallway when the incident occurred. So when he was incarcerated, he started identifying as a woman a couple months before his trial. His trial was just this past July. And he was transferred to a woman's provincial jail. I can only assume that it would be Vanier for women in Milton, Ontario, because that's the only Toronto area jail for women. And during the trial, he actually requested that they not tell the jury that he transferred to a woman's prison and to continue using he, him pronouns. So he did not want the jury to know that he was identifying as a woman or that he transferred to a woman's jail.
7: Uh,
3: And so what was the sentence?
0: He ended up getting life. So they had broken into her home and they sex. there was two men and they sexually assaulted her. And when she was resisting, they ended up beating her with a metal bar. And this isn't the first time that he's done this. He has outstanding convictions for Um, hitting someone with a wrench, as well as assaulting a woman with a metal bar as well. So this is not a one off thing for him.
3: Right. The other uh, individual that was convicted in this murder, uh, first degree murder, sexual assault was David Beek, uh, who was 23 at the time. And Yostin Muriel was 22, uh, now facing life sentences. And um, what do we know about Muriel's uh, past? Did he Was there any indication that he had previously self-identified as a female?
0: I have yet to find anything that can confirm that. Um, Even in the latest article, it appears like he started identifying while he was incarcerated, which isn't surprising. He wouldn't be the first guy to do that. So uh,
3: he simply all he has to do is request or transfer and and claim that he self now self identifies as a, as a woman. It it literally is that simple.
0: Yes, because they're replacing sex with gender identity, so it's gender identity or express expression. So you don't even have to identify as a woman. You could be like non-binary, um, they them pronouns etc. So yes, you all you have to do is say that you are requesting a transfer to a woman's jail or prison because it aligns with your gender identity better. And
3: as far as we know, um, has Mario started any transitioning uh, procedures, uh, either hormones or anything like that?
0: Not that I'm aware of, and I'm going to say no, um, because corrections, provincial and federal, are very slow with that. It's always put in a request and hurry up and wait for anything that you want inside.
3: So as far as we know, and um, forgive my language here. I mean, uh, is he fully intact? Let's put it that way. As far as we know.
0: Yes. Or he wouldn't have been put into a men's institution. If he had had surgery, he would have automatically went into the women's jail.
3: Okay, so a fully intact male who has sexually assaulted and then murdered a woman, a young mother. Uh, transferred into a woman's prison simply on the, on his say so that he now identifies as female. He's fully intact. Uh, how does you're a former um, a prisoner? Do you do you shower together? Would he be allowed to shower with other female prisoners?
0: So jails operate a little bit different. So jails were on ranges and we usually only have one shared shower. So that is quite a possibility depending on if he goes and he will go to maximum because there's a two year rule. So anyone with murder one and murder two will go to maximum for two years. They have pods and um, communal showers as well. I've never been in max, so I'm not sure how they're operating it like that. But yes, there is a possibility. And we also have shared bathrooms for medium and minimum security as well.
3: All right. So he's going to a maximum security even in a women's prison, these would be hardened criminals, right? These would be other murderers, presumably. Who else? What other, you know, female offenders would we find in a maximum security prison?
0: So women and men are so much different. In our maximum security and women's prisons, it's typically about 50 percent are actually indigenous women. Um, it's, they're back in max usually for institutional behavior or mental illness as well. So we don't actually have all those violent people that you know you think of when you think of men's prisons, women's prisons, we don't have the type of risk that men have. So even if we do have a murderer back there, you're typically going to find it's a woman who has committed murder in self-defense or who has abused their whole lives, um, that type of thing. You're not going to find women back there who have been raping and murdering women or even men, for that matter, right. back there.
3: Excellent point. Excellent point. So here we have a man who um, raped and then murdered a woman, will be incarcerated or locked up alongside women who, in many instances, were the victims of abuse, perhaps sexual abuse, for much of their lives. Um, and even, you know, given that, there may be some listeners who who are, have hardened hearts, let's say, and say, well... That's that's prison. How do you respond to that?
0: Well, when I respond to that, it's like, are you condoning putting a rapist in with women just because they made a mistake? There are a lot of women that are incarcerated because of their trauma and drug addiction. Somebody who's addicted to drugs does not deserve to be caged with a rapist and a murderer. I don't care what anyone says. That's just craziness.
3: So uh, we've talked about this before. And this this situation where men who identify as female are locked up with uh, in women's prisons uh, came about maybe as an unintended consequence of a particular bill. C-16. Yeah. Um. Any any movement on that? You, I know you've you've I think I believe you testified at a, at a standing committee in uh, in parliament
0: I submitted a brief in June to the standing committee. Yes. Right.
3: And I know you tried to reach out to different MPs, I think during the election and really didn't get much of a reaction. Although I I believe the people's party did respond. How do you feel now looking at another liberal minority? Do you see any movement on this in the next little
0: while? I, I don't, but I do know that they are up to something. So the policy that's in place is only inter like it's only temporary. So they're going to be replacing it with a new policy. They came out with a new policy called Commissioner's Directive 100 back in October. They had consultations. So we were supposed to send an input about their policy, which we did. And then they are now looking at it again and taking consultations like round table with people trying to tweak the policy. So as everyone knows, Correctional Service of Canada has an exemption for overriding health and safety concerns, because as most people know, women's prisons do not have the same security measures or risk. So like in the article, they were talking about, well, just manage their risk wherever they need to be. Well, that means adopting security measures from men's institutions, and 30 years ago, we put out the report, creating choices. It was the foundation for the six women's prisons. And the whole reason was because women were incarcerated in prison for women and the environment was exactly the same as a men's prison and women didn't fare well. So seven women committed suicide, all but one were indigenous. So now we're going backwards to how the men's environments are to facilitate or accommodate these transfers that are coming in from the men's prisons.
3: Um, Heather, just about out of time here. If people um, want to find out more about this, if there's, I don't know, if there's a petition, if they want to support, uh, how do they connect with uh, with you and Cause Bar, Canadian Women's Sex-Based Rights?
0: I'm definitely out there. Just search my name. Also, Keep Prisons Single Sex. I put a bunch of information on there or get a hold of Cause Bar and they'll forward the messages to me
3: all right heather thank you so much and i uh, will continue to uh to hammer this story as long as we can appreciate it thank you heather mason founding member of canadian women's sex-based rights all right hour two awaits the irascible lovable lou will be here for news not on the news the german idiom of the day and our feature guest today dr joel s Hirschhorn, the author of pandemic blunder all that straight ahead don't go away The views expressed in the following
0: program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
4: The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
3: Hey, welcome back. Wow, that was uh, that was a tough one. Ernesto Ramirez Sr. down in Texas lost his only son, 16, back in April after receiving the Pfizer jab. Autopsy showed his heart was twice its normal size. This was an otherwise healthy young man. And um, I remember seeing the the picture on.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
3: Twitter of Ernesto Sr. in front of his son's open casket. And uh, boy, I did. my heart breaks, my heart breaks. Coming up a little bit later this hour, we're gonna go a little bit longer with our feature guest, Dr. Joel S. Hershorn. He's a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and uh, also America's Frontline Doctors. And his new book is Pandemic Blunder. So, obviously, we'll be talking about, uh, well, a lot of things related to COVID, including the suppression of therapeutics. And um, I'm wondering how many lives, how many lives could have been saved had public health simply embraced some proven. Therapeutics like ivermectin, Uttar Pradesh, 250 million people in India, the state of Uttar Pradesh. And by all accounts, they have licked COVID or at least brought it under control in large measure through ivermectin. But still, what do we hear up here? It's a horse wormer. It's a horse to warmer you, tinfoil hat wearing. Right, right, all right. Uh, on Twitter, looking at these images coming out of Australia, have you seen this? Their parliament building, soldiers. I don't know how many soldiers in full battle gear. Some on horseback. I haven't seen any drone images to show the crowd. I can hear people chanting. Uh, it, it seems like things there are about to become undone. Let's hope. Let's pray. Uh, no bloodshed.
4: News, not in the news. In the news. In the news.
3: All right, Lou. Uh, you were mentioning, you know, the uh, the game plan here seems to be uh, Medicaid. And... Uh, <laughs> Medicate Canadians and uh and what, browbeat them and wear them down? Isolate. Isolate medicate. There you go. Isolate and medicate.
5: And uh, then indoctrinate.
3: Right, right. Well, it seems to be working thus far, I would say. They're winning.
5: Well, you know, only if you let them win. You know, yeah. like you haven't been waterboarded yet. What are you complaining about?
3: Well, I'm 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 afraid for my country. Which one? Which one?
5: Well, I mean, this one is not a country. Which in one? You, the- you call this a country? I call it a, a cartoon.
3: Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be this way though. Yeah,
5: I mean, it's kind of like you know going to the butcher, and he's always got his finger on the uh, scale, right? Right. Mm. You know, you look at the division. It's like east versus west, and the east keeps trumping, and the west sits there and takes a whipping, right?
3: Right. But now to add to that divisiveness, uh, the regional divisiveness, now we have, you know, houses divided. Right. We have families, one one half of a family not talking to the other because one half is vaxxed and the other are unclean, vermin, disease spreading conspiracy theorists Uh, and and, and cheerleaded on, you know, by the, the mainstream media and politicians and now even doctors. Have you seen these doctors on social media in Canada? saying that we should deny health care to the unvaccinated.
5: It's yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. But Richard, let, let's you know just step away from the dark hole that you seem to be trying to climb. And let's get to the German phrase or idiom of the day, oh because God. that always puts a smile on your face and mine. Let's stop oh with the nego. Let's get right to you spitting out that German tune.
3: He always talks me in off the ledge. Loose Jesus. All right, Jacob, please. Okay. German idiom. Okay. Ich bin keiner Kuh. die man kein kann. Ich bin keiner Kuh. Ich bin kein kann.
5: Okay, well, the milking, it tells me you got a cow in the action.
3: Ooh, nice played, sir.
5: So what does it mean?
3: Let me try one more time. Ich bin keine Kuh, die man melken kann.
5: Okay, and to that, I say, hab kein Kuhn.
3: <laughs> All right, I don't know what hab that... Hab kein Kuhn. Hab kein Kuhn. All right, well, the literal translation is, I am not a cow to be milked. I am not a cow to be milked. That's the literal translation. So the meaning is, you can't take advantage of me. You cannot take advantage of me. Ich bin keine Kuh, die man melken
5: kann. Yeah, well, I say habe kein Kuh, which means don't have a cow.
3: (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about... um, uh, I want to go back. You like
5: that. How I, you know, I've educated myself. I found. Obviously, you've been
3: paying attention to the German class and you've been taking notes.
5: Yes, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, pass this elective so I can get my degree.
3: Now, too bad you can't go into a restaurant and order a bratwurst.
5: <laughs> I'm working on it. All right. Well, where would you go? Taste of Munich. Where would you find it? <laughs>
3: All right, uh, let's let's chat again about this. Um, the RCMP waiting till just after the election to charge two SNC-Lavalin executives with fraud and conspiracy. Uh, so, what do you do when it, it would appear that the uh, the RCMP are also the secret police? Yeah, in the in the Lib LibCon pockets. What do we do with that bit of information?
5: Well, I think you just got to accept that you're living in a one party totalitarian state. And the fact that the secret police is doing everything that they can, the KGB for the, you know, for the great white north is doing everything they can to stack the deck for their paymasters. I'm not surprised, Richard. I kind of expect that kind of action. Bake it into the equation. Yeah. And just say, well, you know, what's the exit strategy? Do you have one?
3: Working on it. OK, Working. it's important to have options still. A bit. Well, I want to stay and fight. I want to stay and fight. But, you know, I have Is a lot. this
5: like a scene out of Casablanca. <laughs> we'll always have Kitchener. <laughs>
3: That's it. we'll always have a Tobacco.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like oh. the last flight
3: out. Mm. You're getting on that plane or oh, you regret it for the rest of your life. <laughs> Not tomorrow. <laughs> But but someday and for the rest of your life. <laughs> Did
5: you woo the mighty Aphrodite with that line?
3: Uh, no, obviously impressions are not my uh, yeah. not my uh, my prime. Uh, um, it's not your. It's not in your toolkit. Exactly, it is not in my toolkit. Hey, I want to ask you about this. So, former President Trump, according to the latest polls, would beat both President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. If he were to run in 2024, uh, this is a new poll released yesterday. It's a Rasmussen Reports poll. And uh, let's see, 51 percent of possible voters say they would choose Trump over Biden, who garnered just 41 percent. According to the Washington Examiner, independent voters chose Trump over Biden by 20 points. That's key. 20 points in the independents. If if the election was against Harris, Trump would win 52 percent of the vote while Harris would garner only thirty nine percent of voter support. So is he coming back?
5: Well, it depends. I mean, you know, are they going to stoke the fires of the Russian collusion story again? Or has that been totally dismissed?
3: I would hope so. I mean, I think even even they have begrudgingly they the mainstream media begrudgingly (laughs) admitted, uh, you know, that that was it was a hoax. It was a hoax. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else what other card they have to play at this point. Well,
5: I, you know, it's like, I, like I was saying about the elections here, Richard, it's pretty tough, you know, fighting your opponent and the media. Right. It's like a tag team. And here comes the uh, ruling party. And oh, look, slapping off to the media. Yes. He's getting slapped around in the newspaper, on TV. And, you know, I mean. It's ridiculous. I mean, you really can't get a fair hearing of any sub- substantive argument. And, you know, that's why yesterday I think you were talking about the emotion. There was that young conservative saying, you know, using logic and humor and so on. I right. don't think those are effective tools. These elections are uh, fought on the battleground of emotions. How do you feel? Are you feeling OK? OK. Oh, they insulted you with those innuendos, right? That's
3: true. You can't use sound reasoning because many on the left have none.
5: And, you know, if they you know, they come at someone like uh, uh, Mad Max or Aaron O'Toole, they say he's a racist, full on seeing the uh, crime minister in blackface and throwing indigenous women out of his cabinet. And saying, oh, yeah, that's their policies are not racist. Really? You know, forcing people living on First Nations reserves to drink foul water. Yeah. You know what? They live in denial. No matter what evidence you put in front of them, SNC, the we scandal and so on, Richard, they refuse to accept it.
3: Yeah. It's like a cult. It's like a it's like a bloody cult, Lou.
5: Well, it is. And you've got this tag team. Here comes the government and the media to face off on any of their opponents. Okay. My commitment to traffic on the fives is unending and with ferve and vigor. So I'm going to say, (laughs) Arrivederci, Adomani.
3: All right. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, buddy. Happy capitalism. When we come back, Dr. Joel Hirshhorn, the author of Pandemic Blunder. Stay with us.
4: Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's The Richard
3: Serrett Show. Dr. Joel S. Hirshhorn worked on health issues for decades as a full professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison directed a medical research program between the Colleges of Engineering and Medicine and as a senior official at the Congressional Office of Technology Assessment and the National Governors Association. He directed major studies on health related subjects. He testified at over 50 U.S. Senate and House hearings and authored hundreds of articles and op ed articles in major newspapers. He served as the executive volunteer at a major hospital for more than 10 years. He's a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and America's Frontline Doctors. And uh, his new book is Pandemic Blunder, Fauci and Public Health Blocked Early Home COVID Treatment. Dr. Hirschhorn, welcome to the program. How are you?
7: Great. Happy to be with you.
3: Uh, so the uh, the foreword of the book is uh, written by Dr. Vladimir uh, Zelenko. Yes, was famous for the uh, the Zelenko protocol, which involved a, a, a cocktail of uh, uh, hydrochloroquine and, and uh, zinc and uh, uh, azithromycin. Uh, he calls the uh, the public health and political response to this pandemic or the mismanagement, if you want to call it, akin to mass murder and genocide of the elderly and infirm. Uh, obviously, you included that in the book, but uh, let me just ask you, do you, do you agree with that?
7: Oh, absolutely! And just to give you uh, an important number, uh, the official CDC data says over six hundred thousand Americans have died from COVID. I can tell you that if we would have used the Zelenko protocol and some other protocols, we would have saved well over five hundred thousand lives. So we killed five hundred thousand Americans because the government blocked. The use of these treatment protocols that Zelenko and other great doctors pioneered starting in March of 2020. How do you uh,
3: how do you arrive at that number that we could have prevented the deaths of 500,000?
7: Well, because we we have so much data out there, actually, on lives that have been saved through the use of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and all these various protocols. So it's all based on data. And I, you know, I in my book at the I think the last chapter, actually, I have all of these uh, excerpts from frontline doctors, clinicians who have said how many people they have been saved. Dr. George Farid, one of my favorite frontline doctors in California, he and his partner have treated six or seven thousand people. Entirely successful in curing. Covid nineteen. Okay, so we we've had a solution, we've had a cure for Covid nineteen, and if Fauci hadn't interfered with us using those protocols, he wanted to push the use of vaccines. Okay, so he was willing that hundreds of thousands of people would die in order for him to get Pfizer and these other big drug companies, a huge piece of business, basically a trillion dollar global market, okay? And now people, I want to emphasize, the murder goes on because people are dying from taking the vaccines. And I've looked at all of the data from the US, Europe, all around the world, and I can say with confidence that well over 100,000 people now have died from taking the vaccine shots. Okay, the shots themselves are risky. And if you ask, well, which people should take the vaccines? It's only people who the benefits outweigh the risk. The risks are pretty significant. Well, that in my view of the data, that means probably people over about age 70 or younger people with serious comorbidities, serious health problems should should have the vaccine shot at their discretion and with their doctor's advice. Uh, a wonderful doctor, Peter McCullough from Texas, pointed out months ago that if we would have had an intelligent, really great physician, not Fauci, but someone real talent at the beginning of the pandemic, they would have said, well, we only need to vaccinate a small portion of the population. In the United States, that would have been maybe 20 million people. Okay. But then they... Drug companies probably sat down with Fauci and said, that's not a big enough business for us. Okay, we have to jab and and, and vaccinate the entire population, not just in the U.S., but globally. So we have tons of data now on the really serious. I wrote an article just on the blood clotting problem from the vaccines. All of these vaccines being used, all of them based on research from especially from the United Kingdom, All of them create blood problems, especially serious blood clots. A wonderful doctor in Canada uh, gave 900 doses of of the Moderna vaccine to his patients, and he had the intelligence to have a blood test taken. There's a blood test called the D-dimer test, and it it tests whether you have blood clots. 62% of his vaccinated patients had blood clots, and these are microscopic blood clots throughout the body. What's the long-term impacts of all of those blood clots in people? That none of the testing for the vaccines have gone beyond a few months. Well, in the months and years and decades ahead, we are going to face what I call a vaccine dystopia, a really bleak world where enormous numbers of people come down ill and enormous numbers die and I, I can tell you that in one of my recent articles, again, on, on the vaccine dystopia, I put in all these excerpts. For, we have major physicians and, and medical researchers from around the world. Some of the best. One of them is a Nobel Prize winner. And they've gone public and said that we should stop stop immediately the, the global push for vaccination. Just stop it because the ill effects of the vaccines are so serious. So this is not, you know, stupid people saying this. These are some of the the, the smartest people on the planet saying stop this vaccination program.
3: All right. Uh, I had doctor or I have had uh, Dr. Peter McCullough on the program a number of times, um, three or four times, perhaps. And uh, you mentioned the doctor from Lytton, British Columbia. Uh, who noted 62% of his post yes. patients um, uh, had uh, blood clotting. We'll um, we'll take a quick timeout, come back with Dr. Joel Hershorn, author of Pandemic Blunder, right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Stay tuned.
4: The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m.
3: Welcome back. Dr. Joel S. Hirschhorn stays with us, a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and America's Frontline Doctors. His newest book is Pandemic Blunder, Fauci and Public Health Blocked Early Home COVID Treatment. Uh, back in 2003, Dr. Hirschhorn, we had the uh, the SARS outbreak, the first SARS outbreak. Yes. Uh, 8,000 cases in about 29 countries and 800 deaths. I mean, far more lethal than, than SARS-CoV-2. Uh, And after that, public health officials certainly here in Canada said, "Okay, we now we know we learned we now we know how to handle the next one. And uh, a lot of the provinces here, they have their their public emergency uh, blueprints, how to handle the next one. And it was it was to not treat it as a health emergency, but as a public emergency. You don't just protect the vulnerable. You also have to make sure that the society continues to function. Businesses continue to function. Those blueprints somehow got thrown out the window uh, with with SARS-CoV-2, despite their insistence that they learned and they were ready. Was that the fog of war? What happened? Why did they throw out a perfectly good plan to battle SARS-CoV-2?
7: Well, I think it's all about evil corruption. (laughs) Always follow the money. And all the wrong things that have been done, I don't think masking works. I think there's data in my book published months ago that masking doesn't work. Lockdowns don't work either. So these, what we call contagion control approaches, are not the great solution, okay? So I think all the wrong things have been done in terms of this pandemic because, again, they – I always go back to early treatment protocols. We know how to cure COVID-19 if you give people these cheap, safe, generic drugs that have been fully approved by the government. Okay, one of them, uh, uh, the inventor of ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for creating ivermectin. We have data just in from India in the last few weeks.
3: Uttar Pradesh, Uh, 200 million people in that province.
1: The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell them to stop targeting African-Americans with the menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. By giving
7: out ivermectin, several Latin American countries doing the same thing, freely giving ivermectin out. It's, and in some countries, it's over the counter. Where in the United States and probably in Canada, you can't get a, a doctor to give you a prescription for ivermectin. I've tried myself. My doctors won't give me a prescription. So I know and I just published an article. Who do you want to blame for all of these hundreds of thousands of people dying? And by the way, at the global level, it's nearly four million people that have died unnecessarily. Okay, who do you want to blame? I don't blame so much the virus now. I blame the physicians and the hospitals who will not allow their patients to get drugs like ivermectin. In fact, we know of cases where patients and their families who go to the hospital, they're in the hospital as patients, they brought some ivermectin with them and the hospital will not allow the patient to take the ivermectin they brought with them, okay? So I think it's all criminal, it's all mass murder basically that's going on at a national level and a global level. We know how to solve the problem and there are doctors Some of them just put out a declaration saying, you know, we have to follow our moral obligation, our ethical obligation, first do no harm. That means, but we need more physicians being courageous, going out in front of the public and saying, we know how to treat you and treat you early to cure any COVID that you might get. And by the way, now we know that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin also work as what we call prophylactics preventive medicines. So you can take a dose of ivermectin once a week. And that's a valid alternative, I would say, to being vaccinated. And the other thing about all the people who should not be vaccinated are the people who have natural immunity. I cannot emphasize enough that natural immunity based on science and data from Israel, we know that natural immunity, which you get once you've been infected by the COVID virus. okay. that natural immunity is better than the vaccine immunity. It's amazing the the insanity of this. And, And by the way, people who have natural immunity, many millions of them are now being forced to take a vaccine shot. And that is one of the most dangerous things you can do if you combine natural immunity with vaccination immunity. Your body can go into a very bad situation and you'll be worse off than than you started. Okay, so we know that people would. But nobody's getting the governments are not giving credit for natural immunity. You know, they're not giving you a card based on testing. And by the way, what is the, the government's really screwing up right now? They're not promoting enough testing, fast, easy testing that some countries in Europe are using widely. okay. if people could be tested all the time at very little or no cost, then we could prove they could prove that they have natural immunity, that they don't need to be vaccinated. And now we're talking about, I can tell you, in the United States, way over half the population has natural immunity. So here we have what's going on, though, is coercion by the governments, your government, U.S. government, all the governments it's all about coercion now to get vaccinated. This is a criminal situation. Okay
3: Dr. Hershorn pardon me yeah. the interruption we'll take another time out come back we've got a couple more segments to go. Dr Hershorn uh, is the author of uh, Pandemic Blunder and we'll uh, discuss further in 3 minutes.
4: Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett show news talk saga 960 a.m.
3: Some powerful information coming our way with Dr. Joel S. Hirshhorn, author of Pandemic Blunder, also a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and America's Frontline Doctors. Um, I want to talk about country, a country based analysis of HCQ, hydroxychloroquine. Um, You highlight two classes of nations and deaths per million. So you have one group of nations with wide early use of HCQ, and then the other group of nations where the use of HCQ was was limited or even banned. So let's talk about those two groups of nations and what you found.
7: Well, in all the countries where they have used not only hydroxychloroquine, but ivermectin, we have tons of data. Those nations have fewer fatalities, fewer hospitalizations. They basically have a healthier population if they use these generic drugs. Hydroxy was used early on by Zelenko. Later in months, uh, ivermectin has become more popular among frontline doctors. Uh, But these these drugs really work and they're safe. There have been some awful things done by the corrupt medical establishment. You know, the Lancet Medical Journal published several articles going after hydroxychloroquine, and they were phony articles. They had to be withdrawn from Lancet, called the premier medical journal. So the, the entire Health establishment, doctors, hospitals, medical journals have all been corrupted. Medical associations also. They're all corrupt. I want to emphasize that we have so much data now that the vaccines do not work. You know, breakthrough infections, that's a phrase that people ought to pay attention to. These are vaccinated people who get infected with covid despite being vaccinated. So we know, and and these numbers are escalating exponentially. Okay. So we know the vaccines do not protect you from getting serious infection. And lots of people, by the way, with breakthrough infections, they die. In Israel right now, they're giving their population booster shots. And I follow that data closely. And I'm telling you, there are people now getting the booster shots in Israel who are also dying from the vaccine, okay? So we have all of these crazy, insane things going on, not using the right drugs, pushing vaccines that are unsafe and ineffective. A lot of people, this is medical science, unlike normal vaccines, these COVID-19 vaccines, they don't kill the virus in your body, okay? So even though you've been vaccinated, You can still have a lot of the virus in your body and you transmit that virus to other people. So the the game just keeps going on and on. And the drug companies, I just heard this morning, Fauci and the drug companies, well, now they're saying, yeah, you're probably going to need a a shot every year, at least uh, as time goes on. We're not going to get rid of COVID-19 through the mass use of, of vaccines. They're ineffective and also terribly unsafe every day. I'm amazed all these stories keep getting out, not by the big media, not by the mainstream media, but you can go to websites and you can read these stories of people dying from blood clots in particular, what we call brain bleeds within a few days of being vaccinated. And in the United States, CDC has played games with the data. I couldn't believe it when I checked this out, but it's true. People who are vaccinated and dying within less than 12 days of being vaccinated. CDC was counting those people as being unvaccinated, a total lie. So we have nothing but deceit, lies, corruption throughout this pandemic. And it's killing not just hundreds of thousands of people. Now, globally, it's killing millions of people. It defies. That's why we have doctors coming out now, a few courageous doctors coming out and saying, hey, this whole system is corrupt. We've got to stand up against it. OK. But this, these doctors represent a small fraction of all the physicians in all of our countries, because most physicians, usually about 90 percent in most countries, work for large corporations, hospital corporations, healthcare corporations, OK? And those corporations follow whatever the government is saying. And the government is saying, don't give hydroxychloroquine to your patients. Don't give ivermectin. Just push the vaccines. So the, the only doctors that are honest, I can tell you, in the United States, and I think it's true probably in Canada, are what we call independent physicians. Doctors who are practicing real medicine, Okay, and don't belong to any big corporation. So they're free to give out. We have a a lot of doctors, at least a few hundred in the United States, who every day are giving out hydroxychloroquine and or ivermectin to their patients. And they're curing their patients who come in ill as long as they give these drugs early in the process. And I can tell you, because I belong to a bunch of medical groups, there are tons of doctors and nurses who take ivermectin on a weekly basis as a preventive. And why in the United States right now, hospitals have nursing shortages. One reason is we have lots of nurses who don't want to take the vaccine shot. We have lots of doctors who will not take it also. I was in my doctor's office the other day and he belongs to one of these big corporations and on the TV screen in the office, it said proudly 80% of their doctors had been vaccinated. Well, I thought to myself, just 80 percent. This is a a physician's office, and they're proud of the fact that 20 percent of their doctors obviously have refused to be vaccinated.
3: We have 20,000 nurses in Quebec uh, about to be fired because they will not take the vaccine. Uh, That's something that should make people stand up and take notice. Uh, nurses who were praised as heroes for working through the pandemic prior to a.
1: are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for african-americans do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing president biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard the proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for african-americans The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that overpolicing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
3: Vaccine are now suddenly vilified because they won't take the vaccine. We'll take a one final timeout, come back with Dr. Joel S. Hirshhorn, author of Pandemic Blunder, when The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these.
4: Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
3: All right. A few minutes remain with Dr. Joel Hershorn, author of Pandemic Blunder. He's a member of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and America's Frontline Doctors. Uh, So the idea of, uh, you know, a child being able to give informed consent, uh, they are now sending mobile units around to schools and uh, telling children uh, 15 years old, you don't need your parents' permission. Just take the jab. How could a child possibly give informed consent where, in all honesty, uh, you know, I I can't possibly read enough and understand and to weigh the risk benefit of a vaccine? I mean, how do we get the best information? How do we separate the wheat from the chaff?
7: Yeah, I want to say that virtually nobody, including myself. I got the vaccine shots early on because I work in a hospital and I could. I wouldn't do it today. And I don't plan on getting any booster shots. I don't think anyone has actually given informed consent anywhere in any country around the world because it takes a lot of effort to get to the true medical science, the medical facts. You've got to go to a lot of different websites listen to a lot of podcasts and radio shows to get access to good information. Most people are depending on their information from big media and, and from corporate social media. They're not getting the truth. If people knew all about the risks of vaccines, I don't think they would get the shot, especially children. My God, the the, the worst situation I can conceive of is giving children these vaccine shots. I, People need to understand when all of these drug companies did their clinical testing, they didn't do enough testing on children. They did. And by the way, their testing only occurred over a few months. All right. Here you want to give children a vaccine shot. How do you know how their bodies will respond in the months and years and decades ahead, right? Their whole lives ahead of them, their bodies could become filled with microscopic blood clots. We don't know. And there's all kinds of other ill effects from these vaccines. And by the way, you look at all of the data, there is no high risk of getting serious illness or death from COVID-19. If you're young and healthy, children are not at risk from from the disease. They're more at risk from the vaccine. And and the date is beginning to come in, Richard, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see this in coming months. More people will be dying from the vaccine than dying from
3: COVID-19. I just interviewed uh, Ernesto Ramirez Sr. from Texas, and he buried his son in April, his only son, 16 years old, who maybe you uh, heard about this case. Uh, his son, perfectly healthy, loved baseball um, took the, uh, the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine on April 19th, died of an enlarged heart on the 25th of April. Yep. The doctors did not report it to the, uh, vaccine adverse events reporting system. Ernesto mm-hmm. senior didn't know about these things. And now he's trying to, uh, you know, to tell parents and warn parents. He tried to raise money, uh, so that he could go to Washington and, uh, GoFundMe canceled his, uh, or banned his crowdfunding, uh, platform. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, just in the time that remains. So, I mean, I take I take about 7000 units of vitamin D every day. Um, you know, I try and keep my weight down. It's, Me too. Look at the amount of obesity, uh, something like 75, 80 percent of covid hospitalizations were people who were obese. Yes. Promoting. These things. I mean, you, you you can walk and chew gum at the same time. If you want to promote vaccines for the vulnerable, but also just say, "Hey,
7: get out, get exercise, take vitamin D." What's wrong with that? In fact, in my book, and I've been promoting for what, many months now, there is a simple protocol you can take without hydroxy or ivermectin. I do it twice a day myself: vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and quercetin. Quesitin is very important. It actually acts like hydroxychloroquine when it gets the zinc into your cells in your body. So those four supplements, okay, work to increase your natural immunity, keep you safe. And obesity is a big problem, 78% yes, in hospitals were obese. So we know, but the government, isn't it crazy? Our public health systems are not promoting <laughs> you know, dealing with obesity. They're not promoting healthy lifestyles, really. They're putting all of their resources into promoting vaccines. This is insane. And by the way, uh, keeping people inside locked down, OK, <laughs> that was also insane. People need to get outside in the air. They need to exercise every day. Richard, I can tell you, I lost 60 over 65 pounds in, a, in the last year and a half or so. I wanted to get healthier Okay, and people can do this. But we the thing to fear most right now in terms of what's going on around the world in this pandemic is this coercion, coercion, forcing people to get vaccinated. I think what we're going to see, by the way, in coming days and weeks, people in the military in the United States are now being coerced and forced to be vaccinated in the military. These are young healthy people, the healthiest people in the population. And they're going to force these people. And by the way, the news yesterday, last night, we already some actually officers are quitting the military here in the United States because they will not capitulate. They will not take the vaccine shot. So uh, these are very courageous people. One guy last night, 18 years, two years short of getting full, you know, benefits upon retirement, and he is quit, has quit because he doesn't want to get the vaccine shot. I think these people are smart. These people are informed. The more informed you are, the less likely you are, it will be to willingly take the shot. Now, if you're coerced because you got to get back to work or you want to go to college or school, then I understand why people will be coerced into getting the vaccine shot. But I'll tell you, We're headed for disaster. That's why I wrote this article, Vaccine Dystopia. We're heading towards a bleak kind of science fiction world where a lot of death and terrible medical conditions will develop because of all of this vaccination.
3: Uh, Dr. Hershorn, if we were to post this interview on YouTube, it would be taken down. If I were to promote it on Twitter, it'll be taken down. Um, I mean, you're on this this uh, radio station, but I mean, short of, I mean, how do we get this message out? How do you get the message out?
7: I publish three or four articles a month. They go up on on zillions of websites. I mean, there are a lot of websites uh, publishing my articles. You know, I start out on one site. I I rotate between four or five websites that I like that tell the truth, and then other. Other websites republish the articles so I can tell you if you put into any search engine, for example, my most recent, most popular article is about vaccine dystopia filled with data and information, particularly about all of these great medical minds, the physicians, the medical researchers who have said stop the mass vaccination. People need to hear from these great medical experts, people with courage, Okay. And they're not getting this from the mainstream media. You will not read about what these doctors are saying. OK, Pina McCullough is one of those doctors. Harvey Rice from Yale University is another great doctor. We have some courageous doctors, but they can't get access really to the big mainstream, big media. So it's difficult for people, Richard, to get the right information.
3: How do we get a copy of Pandemic Blunder?
7: Uh, it's very, at very low cost on Amazon. You can get it wherever books are sold. But uh, there's a Kindle edition on Amazon, which is very, very low cost. Uh, but you get it wherever books are sold. And by the way, all of the data in that book, it's been out about seven months. I can tell you all of the data in it is as good today as the day I wrote the book. It, it all holds up under under time, under scrutiny. So if you want the truth, you got to read, you got to go to the right websites uh, and people can get the, the the legitimate information, but it takes hard work. And a lot of people don't have the time. They're not used to doing their own sort of research. But hopefully they buy my book.
3: <laughs> OK, Dr. Hershorn, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you thank you joel hershorn pandemic blunder all right that's it for me my thanks to jody jacob brandon i'll be back tomorrow god willing to do it all over again with the irascible but lovable lou the Lim riddler drops by news not in the news and much much more the brian crombie hour is next i'll speak with you tomorrow at four don't be late until then i remain unbowed, unbent unbroken